comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry in Kumasi, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Our focus this year is loving God. Loving God. The Bible says that because he has set his love upon me, I will set him on high. Where you set your love will always determine where God will set you in life. When you set your love on God, God sets you at a certain place. And he said, I will set him on high. May you be set on high. May your position be supernaturally changed. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to understand that the most important subject in scripture is the subject of love. And that is also a topic a lot of people want to hear about. Love is the greatest and the most important subject in all of scripture. In fact, Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Matthew 22, verse 35 downwards. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Somebody said the great commandment in the law. So this man came and he was not even asking about what was happening in the New Testament, what Jesus was doing. He said, in the Old Testament, which one was the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? Now look at what Jesus said. He said, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Take note of that. He said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, there are many commandments under the law. The one that most of us are familiar with is the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments is just a small microcosm of the many laws God gave to the Old Testament people. In all about 622 or 612 laws God gave to them. Some of them are relational laws. Some of them are ceremonial laws. Some of them related to how you worship God and all of that. But Jesus said, this is the greatest of all the laws. So if you are looking at it as the Ten Commandments, this is the greatest. If you are looking at it as 622 or 612, this is the greatest commandment. He said, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And look, verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. Somebody said this is the first and great commandment. Now, the second is not different from it. I like it. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Ask your neighbor, do you love me as yourself? Now, this is asking, please take note. He says, this is the greatest commandment in the law. But we are not operating under the law. The Bible said, there is therefore now no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When they were in the Old Testament, this was a great commandment. But in the New Testament, Jesus didn't give us too many commandments. He just gave us one commandment. He said, this is the commandment I have given you that you love one another. In the Old Testament, we were to love God and love our neighbor. In the New Testament, it changes and it says you should love your neighbor as yourself. We'll get to see the details of what it all means. Whether we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because I was saying that there are some people, they don't love themselves. So, if you say love your neighbor as yourself and they don't love themselves, then it means they can't love their neighbor. Some people, they don't love themselves, so they, they bath once a week. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, they don't love themselves. They don't take care of themselves. They don't love themselves at all. Now, in the New Testament, we have not been given many laws. They were given too many laws. In the New Testament, we just have one law. 
and is the law of love. Somebody say the law of love. And that law is a law that a lot of people have challenged working with. When we are able to walk in love, we fulfill every other. Do you know that all the commandments? Let's see something. I'm just getting ahead of myself, but I think it's worth it. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. How significant is this? Verse 8, please. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. Somebody say, oh, no one anything. But if you are owing somebody sitting by, you don't tell him that. Yeah, you borrow this money, you've not paid. You say, oh, no man anything. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but the Bible says, oh, no one anything except to love one another. It shows you how powerful it is. He said, no, oh, make sure you are not in debt. But if you are ever going to be in debt to minister A, it should be a debt of love. If you are going to owe Jenjil anything, it should be a debt of love. Then he says, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Do you see what it takes to fulfill the law? Are you seeing that? He said, if you love one another, you have fulfilled the law. You have fulfilled the entire law. How? Verse 9. He says, for the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, all are some in this saying, saying you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you see that? Did you see that? That is why loving, walking in love is the most important. That's the summary of your work as a child of God. Verse 10. Look at this. <laughs> love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I'll come back to work with it. We are looking at walking in law part one. Walking in law. In the New Testament, if you read the letters of Paul, you realize that not much is said about loving God. I said in the first service, not much is said about loving God. But a lot have been written about loving our neighbor. A lot has been written about loving our neighbor. Because, you see, a lot of pre people pretend, I haven't passed for more than 10 years, I've come, I've realized that a lot of people can pretend to love God when they know nothing about the love of God. They can pretend a lot. They can pretend too much. Sometimes it's, it's just... It's just so annoying to hear somebody come lift up their hands, sing all kinds of songs, weep, and do all kinds of things. And yet their heart is so callous, wicked, and deadly. And they are still pretending they love God. Because you see, when you say you love God, we make it like it's between us and God. Is that not what we say? So God decided that if you really love him, show it by how you love Ray. So in the New Testament, your love for God is not known by your singing. It's not known by your tonguing. It's not known by your dancing. It's known by how you love this man. The person sitting on your left and your right. How you love him. In fact, it's so important. The power to walk in love is so important in the New Testament. That God has even empowered us by the Holy Spirit to be able to love those who hate us. That's how powerful the new man is. You see, if you are truly born again, that's why the love test is the ultimate test that somebody is a Christian. And I'll come back to it. There are a lot of people who say they are Christians. They are not at all. They are not. Some of them are wizards, witches, demons. That's who they are. They are not at all. They don't know Christ. And you come to see it from the Bible. You come to see it from the Bible. Look at what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He said, pursue love. Somebody say, pursue love. Say, pursue love. Pursue. It means hotly chase after love. Pursue it. Now, come to the same verse, same verse in chapter, but the New Living Translation. He says, let love be your highest goal. Let it be your highest goal. Somebody say, your highest goal. Say, let love be your highest goal. Okay, good news translation. It is love then that you should strive for. Somebody say strive for love. Strive for love. Say strive for love. strive for love. 
First Corinthians amplifies says eagerly pursue. Somebody say eagerly. eagerly. Uh-huh. The same way you pursue money, pursue love like that. The same way you pursue a lady, you say you love, you want to marry, pursue love like that. Praise God. He said, eagerly pursue love, seek to acquire this love, make it your aim, your great quest in life. Seek it, pursue it, and make it your goal. And by the time we are through today and next week, you will come to understand why it must be your greatest pursuit in life. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God as your children, and then walk in love. That's where we are. Walk in love. Somebody say walk in love. Say walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. Let's look at the message version and then we'll zoom into it. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep your company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Love like that. Love like that. What does it mean to walk in love? One is to be occupied with love. When we say you are walking in love, it means your whole life is occupied with love. Your whole life. Your environment. Everywhere you go, love exudes out of you. You are occupied with love. To walk in love is to make love your way of life. May love become your way of life. I said, may love become your way of life. There are some people, gossip is their way of life. Other people, backbiting is their way of life. But may love be your way of life. Say a better amen. Amen. Say a louder amen. Amen. Ephesians 5.2, the New Living Translation says, live a life filled with love. To walk in love, I like number three, is to regulate or guide your life with love. To regulate your life. You know how to regulate your life? To regulate something. When you say you are regulating a fan, it means you set the speed of the fan. You put it maybe on one, you put it on two. Regulate an air condition. You put it on 16, you put it on 25 or 21. That is, you are regulating something. You are controlling something. The Bible says your life must be regulated. A lot of us, our lives are regulated by what people do to us. Not by love. So when people hate us, ha, your life is regulated by that. You hate them. The Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaking together. Running over, you pour it back onto them. Praise God. Regulate your life by love. Let love be your guide. It should guide you. When you are offended, let love guide you. When you are insulted, let love guide you. All of the time, be guided by love. Can somebody say an amen? amen. And then, of course, to walk in love is to live a life controlled and ruled by love. Now, let's see how this thing really works out. First John chapter 4, verse 7 to 17. First John chapter 4, verse 7 to 17. Good. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Please take note of that. I didn't define who a child of God is. God is telling you who a child of God is. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So anyone who does not love is not a child of God and does not know God. I'm not saying it. This is what the Bible is saying. Praise God. So if you are going to tell whether somebody is a Christian or not, it's not because a person comes to faith house. It's not because a person sings here. It's not because a person preaches here. It's not because a person bought us uh, uh, what, whatever. If the person is not walking in love, he doesn't know God. As simple as that. You see, it's not about you telling God you know him. It's about God telling you you know him. And he says, if you say you know me, the only thing that we should look out for is your love life. It's your love life. Because a lot of people can be very loud, very pretentious, and yet they are far away from God. Look at verse 8. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us. How? 
By sending his son, his son, his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10. He says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so much, since, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love him back. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? Did you see that? Please read it with me. See, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should surely love him back. We should what? Love each other. We should love each other. The reason why you should be able to love, I was saying it in the first service that nobody wants God to love him the way he loves God. Everybody wants God, wants us, God to love us especially. And we are very fascinated and excited when God loves us the way we are, way he loves us. But we, we are hardly ever conscious of the fact that we have a responsibility to love others the same way God loved us. Praise God. There is a way you define your love for others. You love so-so and so based on A, B, C, D. But when God is loving you, you want him to love you unconditionally. How many of us are excited about the unconditional love of God? <laughs> but you see the many conditions you have for loving people. <laughs> Verse 12. <laughs> no one has ever seen God. Now listen. This is why God says that the person who knows him, he demonstrates it by love. He said no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Verse 13. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Now, verse 14. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes. And now testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. Now, please take note. This is how you become saved. I never saw it until during the break, in between the services. We confess Christ as our Savior and then we are saved. Now look at how this thing relates to love. He says, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. Verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who Live in love, live in God. When you put your, you confess Christ as Lord, you live in God, God lives in you. Did you see that? And then he's saying, all those who walk in love or live in love, they live in God and God lives in them. In other words, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your savior, but you are not living in love, God is really, what you confess was actually fake. Praise God. What you confess is actually fake. And there are a lot of people who speak our language, they dance our dance, they sing our song, they come to our meetings, but check their life closely and you realize that they are not part of us at all. Verse 17. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid in the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this earth, in this world. How did Jesus live? Jesus lived a life of love. Now, the most important call we have as Christians is the call to walk in love. That's the most important call. And to be able to walk in love in our families, in, uh, among ourselves, in, in the church, with people we love, people we don't love, and whatever, we must understand why this call is so foundational and fundamental. The first reason why Walking in love is such an important call for all. Is Walking in love confirms your identity as a true child of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a child of God. Say, I'm a child of God. Yeah. And if you say you are a true child of God, then there shouldn't be anyone you have a challenge with. You should be able to walk freely. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. He said, Beloved, King James, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. How did you get born of God? You can't be born of God and not be born with love. 
Every child carries the DNA of his father. God's DNA is love. So how come you say you are a child of God and love does not come out of you? You make trouble more than you make people comfortable. You sow seeds of strife, confusion. Everywhere you go, the moment somebody comes close to you, any opportunity you get to be close to someone is an opportunity you seize to spoil somebody to the person. Yet, you lift up your hands. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice. When you lift up your hands like this, God's eyes are far away from you. He says, I rather want to listen to some cock crow than listen to your love, fake love songs. That some people, all they do is they strategically connect with people so that they will get the opportunity to gossip to others about them. What is your problem? What's your problem? You can't claim to have the love of God. Look, the Bible says you are of your father the devil. This is how the Bible defines being a child of the devil. The same way. I said that your spiritual phenotype cannot be different from your genotype. There's something we learned in genetics. Genotype is uh, your gene makeup, the constitution, your gene makeup. And your phenotype is the physical appearance that is being produced as a result of the gene type you possess. And I'm saying that the same is true. Eh? The way you're nodding. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when the super scientist says true, you know you're on course. Now, you see, your spiritual phenotype can never be different from your genotype. If you are truly, 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 truly carrying the genes of God in you, then the expression we must see is what? Love. In the book of John chapter 8 verse 44, we can do the New Living Translation and see how it works. John 8. This is the most difficult course in the whole Bible. A lot of people fail it all the time. The love course. <laughs> he said, for you are the children of the devil. Somebody said that you are the children of the devil. No. He said, you are the children of your father, the devil. How do you become the children of your father, the devil? He said, you love to do the evil things he does. So, when you want to know who father you are, look at the things you do. Look at the things you do. If God is your father, gossip will not be one of those things. If God is your father, blackmailing people, using malicious words about people will not be one of those things. If God is your father, envy will not be part of your life. If God is your father, unforgiveness is not a part of you. Can somebody give me an amen there? I like the way you are quiet because this is the most difficult cause for many people. And this is the reason why a lot of people are also not living the Christian life the way they ought to live it. I want you to make a conscious decision from this month that this is the number one course you want to pass. Because if you don't pass it, I'm not sure there will be a place anywhere in eternity for you. Because what will make you bored on the day of judgment is your love life. Your love life. That's what we just read. That is what authenticates that truly you are saved. He said, he's a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he's a liar and the father of lies. Now, when you also walk in love, you are not doing anything which will clap for you. When you walk in love, when you forgive, when you are patient with people, it's not something which will clap for you. It is supposed to be consistent with your character. In fact, when you are not doing that, that's when we should be worried with you. When you are not doing that, when you are not doing any of that, that's when there's a problem. Number two, working in love identifies you as a true disciple and true follower of Jesus. Let me tell you. You see, coming to church doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. Being Pastor Falker's favorite doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. It doesn't at all. Wearing long dress... Where no part of your body is showing, you can even add socks to it. And then put what the, the Muslims put on their face and let your eyes only be seen like this. It doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. None of them. None of them. Sink and let us have goosebumps. It doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. You can preach from hell to heaven. It doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. Look at what the Bible says. It makes you a follower of Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. 
who is a, a disciple is a follower of Christ. Therefore, be ye imitators of God as dear children. The King James says, be ye followers of God. Be ye followers, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And verse 2, walk in love. When you walk in love, you are demonstrating that you are a disciple. You are a disciple. You are a disciple. There are people in church who don't, may not even talk to other people. In the church, same church. Because sometimes, some things a person is not talking to her said. And the way the thing has brought the person down. There's, there's virtually no way they can flow. Look at John chapter 13 verse 35. John 13 35. By this. Somebody say by this. Oh, look at this. Oh, by what? Say it loud. By. By. All men shall know that you are. Say it aloud. By what? By this, all men shall know you are my disciples. Indeed, because you have love one for, one for, one for, one for. How will other people know that we are disciples of Christ? Because we have love for God. Did you see that? We have, because we have love for God. Because we think about the, our love for God. Because we have love one for another. One for another. All men will know we are because we have love one for another. Ask your neighbor, do you really love me? Ask the person. Don't be don't listen. We are not listen. You should know by now the kind of love I'm talking about. <laughs> if at this stage you are thinking about that kind of love, you still need uh, some. <laughs> Praise God. By this shall all men. But listen, instead of this, do you know what people are actually using to show that they love? Tongues. Tongues. Ah, tongues. 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 That's what they use. Tongues. So we say we are praying. Aku she 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 she. But their heart is wicked. Crooked. If we knew what was in the heart, what's going on there? If we knew what was in the heart of people, the people we greet, the people we smile with, I'm telling you. <laughs> it, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But in this month and in this season, this church shall be filled with love. Yeah. If you are not walking in love, we'll not entertain you here. Because we are supposed to be known by something. And that is love. Somebody say love. love. You see, a church is a church when there's love there. A Christian is a Christian when he's walking in love. And you see, God has given you capacity to love your enemies. And you have a difficulty loving your fellow church member. Then you have not even started. Because your fellow church member, I don't know what he has done against you, but he cannot be your enemy. He cannot. By this, somebody say by this. Make sure that from today onwards, every day, if you wake up and you, you should tell yourself, I'm a disciple of Christ. My, my badge or my stamp or my crest is the crest of love. Yeah. You wait. You wait. How do I know this man is a medical doctor? As he is here, you will know it. But if you meet him at Confanoche with something around his neck, you will know. Praise God. You will know. You will know. That is one. How do you know somebody is a judge? You, you, when you see him walking ordinarily, you know. But when you meet him in the courtroom and something is on his head, wake, then you know that this is one of them. This is, you see, there should be something about you that people should look at and see that you are a Christian. God decided that something should be, not your tongues, not your speaking, not your coming to church. Because a lot of people, even when God and his angels met in the presence of God, Satan appeared there. So when we meet in church, the demons, the witches that join us, there are too many. But there is something that can help us identify them. They are love. They are love. Yeah, Lord. That's what, that's what, it helps us to know that this one is not correct. This one is not correct. This one is not correct. 
By this shall all men know you are my disciple. Because you have love one for another. One. I like it when he says by this and by love. Not uh, by tongues. Not by anything. But by love. Number three. Walking in love authenticates true knowledge of God. This is also one of the things that I have seen over the years. A lot of people pretending and acting like they know God. I mean. Some of them act and they act so unknowingly. They are behaving like they don't know God, but they are acting like they know God. They are thinking and talking like they don't know God, but they are are pretending that they know God. Look at what the Bible says. It says, For beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. That's number one. That's the first level. You are born of God, and you are knowing God. You see? To be born of God is the the first stage. But knowing God is maturity. When you are maturing in God, your love must be maturing. He said, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he didn't put in it. John was just point blank. Verse 8. He says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. So don't mind what the person is saying. Don't mind what the person is preaching. Don't mind what the person is uh, pretending to do. He can do all kinds of things. And let me tell you, there are a lot of things people can do and there's still no love there. I've realized that some people can even give you things and they don't love you. I'm telling you. I've seen that as a pastor. I've seen that as a pastor. They can give you things. Did you see what the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Oh, let's see that. Let's see a bit of that. You appreciate it. What people can do for you and there is no love. That's why it's, it's so important that we, we just take this in for. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1, please. He says, if I speak with tongues of, though I speak with tongues of men and not tongues of angels, but I have no love, I am become like a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Now look at verse 2. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have no love, I'm nothing. Now look at this. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's where people can give and they still don't love. They still don't love. There are some people, they give to buy you f- your favor. They give to buy your favor. They just want to get you to be on their side. So they give to you. It's a hypocritical giving. I've seen all of that before. Somebody in one breath is saying something very damaging about you. In another breath, he's pretending to give to you. Now, listen, the ultimate is to give your body. If I give my body to be bent, but have no love, so people can actually do this. The guy who gave himself up to be bent in, in Tunisia, was he doing it because of love? No. Out of frustration. Did it. Somebody just wants to even make a name for himself. He's the one who bent himself and the democracy of Ghana changed. That's all. He's made a name for himself. That's all. The kind of things people can do and no love is in place. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. So this is just the foundation. Today, next week is foundation. Because I'll be going to show you what love is, how love behaves. If you say you are really walking in love, how you, your life is to show because you see, love is not one of those things you can hide. I love God. God knows in my heart I love him. Listen, we must also know you love us. You, can, you cannot pretend you love God and deceive everybody. I love God. I love God knows I love God. God knows I love God and all this jargon throwing it about and yet you are destroying people's relationships. You are breaking down relationships. You are creating confusion, tension everywhere. Then you say you love God. Listen, you demon and witch. You don't know God yet. Am I communicating here? You don't know God. You don't know God. You don't know God. The Bible said, he that loveth not, does not know God. There are many who profess to know God, but in works they deny him. That's what the Bible says. Titus 1.16. He said they profess that they know God, but in works. Titus 1.16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, disqualified from every good work. Profess it. Profess it. The professional Christians are too many. The practicing Christians are very few. 
The professional Christians are too many. But the practicing ones are very, very few. And I pray that you be a practicing Christian. May you be a practicing Christian. Of course, number four is love is the greatest virtue of all spiritual virtues. It's the greatest. Somebody say the greatest. The greatest. The greatest. The greatest. All other gifts are great. And I thank God for all of them. But Paul, you know, in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14, he talks about spiritual gifts. But he jumped, he talked about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and then ended it up with a, a very powerful note. Then he goes to chapter 13, he talks about love. Then he comes to chapter 14, he still begins to talk about spiritual gifts. Now let's see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. We read verse 1 and verse 31. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's spiritual gifts. Go to verse 31. Verse 31. Verse 31 of the same place. But earnestly desire the best gifts. After he has talked about all the spiritual gifts, all of them. He said, deserve the best gift. In other words, what I've told you is not the best gift. It's not the best gift at all. He said, yet I show you a more excellent way. What I've showed you are excellent. They are great. Vision, prophecy, faith, all of those things are great. But listen, there's something more, far important. And I'm going to show it to you. So he comes to chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He begins to talk about the most excellent way. Now abide in faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. All the way. So, when it comes to chapter 14, verse 1, before he started talking about it again, he said, pursue love. Pursue what? Love. He said, don't discount spiritual gifts. They are very important, but if you are to make a choice between the two, choose love. Choose love. Choose love. Choose love. The pastors who take people to the beach and they bab them. Are they not exercising spiritual gifts? Yeah. Choose love. Choose love. Choose love. Choose love. Because when love is not in place, even spiritual gifts can be used to uh, uh, manipulate people. They can be used to do people all the time. He will give you dito, 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 dito. And finish. When he finishes, Having provoked your faith, now you know that he is true. Then he tells you, empty your whole accounts. And you are quick to do it. Why? Because there's a demonstration of spiritual gifts. What is supposed to be a blessing is now becoming a burden. Am I complicating somebody here? That's why love is critical. Love is critical. Love is critical. It's the greatest. Somebody says it's the greatest. He compared it with prophecy. He said it's the greatest. He compared it with faith. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 and 2. Though I speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels. You, the only tongues you speak is the tongues of men. Even that one is just one syllable. Ababa, 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 ababa. And if you are doing one hour prayer, it's ababa, ababa, ababa. That's all. That's all. And yet, with this, your lousy. <laughs> Ababa, Ababa. <laughs> you are pretending you are something. <laughs> he said, If I speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels, the ones who speak tongues of men and of angels, and they don't have love, they are nothing. They are, they are just making noise, making noise, making noise, making noise. Go to verse 2. He says, if I have, though I have the gift of prophecy, and I can see. I can see. And sometimes, when you are not uh, careful, you'll be seeing everything wrong with people, and the very things that are wrong with yourself, you will see them. Praise God. Every time you close your eyes, you see, it is about somebody. By your heart, you can see your heart, which is the closest part of you. Am I communicating somebody here? He says, if I understand all mysteries and revelations, and I have all knowledge. Now, I like this. He said, though I have all faith. And I like faith. I like faith. 
I so much like faith that when we were starting this church, the name of the church must be faith. Yeah. My iPad, if you look at the back, it is faith that is written at the back. In Christ, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. That's my text. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision availeth anything but faith which worketh by law. Do you see that there? That's what he said. Faith. That's what he said. I love faith. Everything about my life is faith. Because, you see, faith is so important in our work with God. I've been teaching faith for more than uh, uh, 10 years. I believe in faith. But let me tell you, faith is not superior to love. He says, though I have faith, and I can remove mountains. Take me back. Mountains. Mountain be moved and it's gone. Cast out, it's cast out. But I have no love. I could move mountains. He says, I am nothing. Do you know what it means to be nothing? Now, maybe some modern translation will tell you you are useless. That's what it's actually. Give me a message. Let's see what message we say. I am nothing. Go to a New Living Translation. <laughs> I think they are afraid. <laughs> they are afraid. Uh, good news. Let's try good news. <laughs> I'm nothing. Okay. Contemporary English version. They are all afraid. You know, the Bible translation, <laughs> sometimes when they are doing it, there are some strong words that the original Greek gives, when they are translating, they, 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 are, they are more conscious and they are restrained. So sometimes when you check the original translation, that's when you see what it's actually saying. Praise God. I'm nothing. Nothing. You are walking up and down, you think you are something. You are nothing. Yeah. You think you are something. You are, you are nothing. If you knew that before God, you were nothing. Because of this, your nyama nyama thing. You are nothing. You are nothing. Because usually those people pretend that they are something. They are trying to pretend something. Are you a what? That's what my father said. Yeah, they are pretending to be something. They are pretending to let you feel that they are more spiritual. They are more holy. They are more Christian. They are more committed. You committed? <laughs> Where is your love? <laughs> That's what shows. That's what shows that you are walking in love. Am I communicating to somebody this morning? Listen. Don't think you are anything until your love is perfected. What makes you something before God is not this preaching. You can preach and break down. It doesn't mean you are anything. If it is not motivated, driven by love, you're just wasting your time. Just wasting your time. Number five. Because love is the principal medium for profitable stewardship. It's a profitable. You see, God calls us to do many things. We are to serve him. We are to love him. We are to uh, sing for him. Everything we do for God, the medium through which God rewards it is the medium of love. He said, if I give my body, no, go to verse 3. He said, if I give my body to be bent and I have no love, it profited me nothing. Now, can you go there with me, please? Though I bestow all my goods, 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Though I bestow all my goods, you there's just 10% you brought us tight. Yes, sir. 2,000 you gave. 10,000 you gave. He said, you can, that one is even small because you still have some left. He said, give all your body and then everything you have, give it all up. Your cars, your houses, imagine. Those of you who have things. <laughs> if you don't have anything, don't imagine anything. <laughs> but imagine the things you have. Your car, your house. Every valuable you have. The Bible said, if I give all of those to feed the poor and, I, and give your body, when you have nothing else to give, give your body. Bible said, when you have done all of that and it was not motivated by love, it profits you nothing. Now, what it means is this. The things we do out of love, they profit us. Do you understand that? But when we do them without love, we say we are giving. Let it be done out of love. We are singing out of love. We are reaching out to people out of love. Everything we do must be motivated by love or it doesn't register at all with God. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. 
Number six, love is the spiritual glue that binds all enduring relationships together. And I want you to know this. When the relationships around you in your life, whether it's your marriage, listen, you have to check your love life very well. There are people that can't keep relationships. Every relationship, it breaks down after two weeks. It can go. I mean, people have so steadied them that they can predict it. When they start, it's all rosy, all nice. But after a short while, they begin to function as, as avowed enemies. No one to hear anything about the person. Where did they start from? Love. Love is a glue. Somebody say glue. How many of you have used super glue before? And that it accidentally caught hold of your hand. Um, if you, you've used it and it accidentally caught hold of your hand, <laughs> lift up your hand. Super glue. <laughs> it's not a very funny experience at all. <laughs> very, very can be very painful. You know what? That is when agape is in place. That's why people who really understand agape, it's very difficult for them to separate all. Sure. Somebody said agape does not go to court. I agree. I'm telling you, agape will not go to court. It's not easy. Sure. <laughs> agape. Agape. It says it is the glue. Now look, the Bible said it is the bond of all perfection. Look at that. Let Love is the most important. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. Love is more important than anything else. Oh, I like this. Give me the contemporary English version. It's a bond of perfection. CV, please. Love is more important than anything else. Somebody say anything else. What makes it so important? It is what ties everything completely together. Completely together. Completely together. They say they have tied the knot. The question I want to ask, did you tie love? <laughs> because some people, they are tying the knot and it's the money they are tying. <laughs> Praise God. It's the money. It's the beauty they are tying. It's the position they are tying. So when the position is not there, when I met you, you used to be very rich. Now this is where you are. Otilong. He tied the knot. <laughs> not with love. Love binds everything together. It binds what? Everything together. It binds everything together. Binds. Binds. When you are walking in love, eh, you keep people together. You don't scatter people. If you check your life and you are scattering people, you join the choir, you scatter people, you come here, you scatter people. Everywhere you go, you are scattering, scattering. Listen. Humble yourself. And understand that you have a problem working in love. What's your problem working in love? One of the people that cannot be helped is the person who is a problem but sees everybody else as a problem. I'm telling you. They are very difficult to be with. They are very difficult to... And I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a, sometimes when such people enter my office, I'm in a hurry to let them move. Because I know where the solution is and I know they won't take the solution. So don't waste my time. Because I don't even have some to waste. Praise God. I'm telling you. There's, there's nothing as painful as seeing as a pastor knowing that this is the way out of a problem. And you tell the person and the person will still stick with the wrong way to stay in the problem. And when they finish, they are blaming God for it. It's very, very painful. Very painful. But you know, this thing is a choice. Uh -huh. What is, gives me consolation is that the best of a pastor can give a counsel. But ultimately, it's your responsibility to deal with it. But it's painful when you know that this can be avoided. Yeah, it's always painful when you see that this could have easily been avoided, but people will not listen and they fall into it. Master key for holy living. Somebody say, Master key for holy living. Say master key for holy living. When you truly walk in love, holiness is easy. Yeah. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. Look at what the Bible says. 
He said, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. May you abound more and more in love. Amen. I said, may you abound more and more in love. Amen. May you abound more and more in love. Amen. Now, he said, that you may prove, approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense until the day that, until the day of Christ. Now go to verse number 11. Being filled with fruit of what? Righteousness. When you are bound in law, the fruits that will come out of you are fruit of righteousness. Fruit, fruit of righteousness. Fruit of righteousness. When you, you love, you walk in love, you are always full of fruit of righteousness. Because all the things that will make you sin, they are, they are not there. They are brutal. When you are bound more and more in love. More and more in love. Fruit of righteousness. See how Thessalonians put it. Oh, Carlo said it. He said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9 to 13. For all the joy wherein we joy yourselves before our God. Verse 10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Follow it. And perfect what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11. He says, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you, please take note, the Lord make you what? Increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Verse 13. He says, To the end, he may establish your heart how unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is somebody following what I'm teaching this morning? Why you walk in love? Because you see, in the New Testament, the only thing God demands from us is obedience. Is what? Is what? Obedience. Obedience. That's the principal thing God demands of us. And do you know what makes us obey God? Love. Love. That love is the key that makes us obey God. When love is in place, obedience is a delight. Obedience is always a burden for those who are not in love. When you are in love, obedience is always a delight. John chapter 14, verse 21 and verse 24. John 14, 21 and 24. Quickly. John 14, 21 and 24. He who had my commandments and keepeth them. Can you see that? He it is that what? Loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and we will manifest ourselves to him. Go to verse 24. He says, He that loveth, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you have heard, which you hear, is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Are you following it? So when you walk in love, one, obedience is in place, and obedience simply brings you into holiness. I've never met a holy person who does not obey God. Whether it's convenient or not. An obedient person always works in holiness. Because it's a natural pathway to it. Now, again, so on the side of God, love will bring you into obedience. On the side of man, love will make sure that you don't do any harm against your neighbor. Now look at Romans chapter 13, where we read earlier. Romans 13, 8 and 10. He said, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves has fulfilled the law. Verse 9. For this, New King James, please. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, all are some in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now go to verse 10. He said, love does no harm. Somebody say no harm. No say no harm. No. Now. If you say you are working in love, check your life and the relationships, whether you have caused harm to people. Have you caused harm to your husband? What have you said that has wounded the man so much that even when his name is mentioned, he, he seems to forget himself? You know, some people can so insult you that you begin to lose consciousness of who you are. I'm telling you. They can so insult you that you begin to wonder whether... That what you know about yourself is, is really true. You begin to actually doubt yourself. You've not seen one before. Eh? <laughs> I met a gentleman who told me he's lost his self-confidence. Praise God. And it's because somebody released their tongue on him. Love does no harm. 
Enti adia wakakachire jenjili about Harriet. What you have come to tell Jinjil about Harriet? When she hears, wouldn't it harm her? I mean, I mean, just think about it. Love does no harm. No harm. Please take your seat. Love does no harm. Listen, it's a tough call. It's not easy like that. Live with your husband and all you are doing, I like it. Proverbs, he said, she shall do him good all the days of her life. Can you imagine that? You want to marry. Are you ready to do a man good all the days of his life? It becomes possible when you are walking in love. Am I communicating here? Do him good all the days of his life. All the days of his life. There are some women who plan how they will, they will let their husband know that they are there. I, 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 I will let him know. I will let him know. I will let him know. And usually when they are planning it, it's as if God is not, doesn't exist. <laughs> because he's seen every one of the plans you are making in your heart. He knows. He knows. Love does no harm. No harm. How can you be slapping your wife when you say you love her? Love does no harm. You are working in an office. You are making every effort to make sure that the company fades. Love does no harm. Love does no harm. You are working under a boss, and because of his wickedness towards you, maybe you think he has sat on your promotion or whatever. All you wish is for him to fade. Love does him no harm. Am I communicating here? <laughs> this thing, we have not started. <laughs> He's a very tough one. That's why a lot of people can sing about, I love God, but loving their neighbor is a problem. It is easier to pretend to love God than to love your neighbor. Do you know why? It is easier to pretend. That's why a lot of people pretend that they, are, they love God. I always check people's love life by their relationships. Check your love life. If you are married, how's your relationship with your wife? Number two, the place you work, how's your relationship with people? You see, everything about us can always be traced to our relationships. You see, I said it in the first service. Love is not learned in isolation. When you are the only member in this church, we can't tell whether you love or not. Let us be 100. Let us be 200. Let us be 300. Then we will know. Nobody loves. Somebody, I mean, I'm just, my heart is full of love. Wait and marry. Let us see. Wait and marry. Wait and marry. Let us see it. Wait and marry. When you are living with a man and for two days, three weeks, he has not spoken with you. Will you still be, uh, you see, ish? You see, that, that's what I'm saying. You see, that's it. That's where your love is tested. That's it. That's it. It's much easier to say you love than to practice it. It's the ultimate measure of spiritual maturity, number 10. It's the ultimate measure. Somebody say ultimate measure. Say ultimate measure. There are people who actually think that spiritual maturity is in preaching. Oh, that pastor, he's a very matured spiritually. No, he's not in preaching. No. He's not in preaching. Sure. <laughs> that is the easiest thing that anybody can do. Yeah. As difficult as preaching is, <laughs> it's much difficult to love than to preach. That's the ultimate measure. If you are looking for a matured Christian, sometimes they come to you and it's like they are... Spiritual maturity is not in spiritual gifts. That you can see, you have vision, prophecy, and all of those. It doesn't mean you are mature. Praise God. Yeah. Any child can sleep and dream. It takes an adult to be able to interpret what he saw in the dream where. Am I communicating? It's different. Maturity. Spiritual maturity. That's it. When Paul came into 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and this was a church that was gifted but very not spiritual. I said, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto Cana, but as unto Cana, even as babes in Christ. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. And he says, when I came to you, you were just acting like Cana on same people. Babies in Christ. Why are you babies? Verse 2. He said, I have fed you with milk that because you were not able to bear it. You couldn't bear it then and now you can't bear it. And it's all because you are babies. Babies, you give them milk. Why? Verse 3. He says, for you are yet carnal. For where there is among you, somebody say envy. envy. 
strife, divisions. Are you not carnal? And do you not work as men? Listen, anybody who sows in church or outside church sows seeds of envy, discord, strife every time. Okay, division, all of those things. Listen, see the person as a baby. And when babies talk to you, you don't take it serious. Do you understand what I'm saying? When babies talk to you, you don't take it serious. When babies talk to you, you ignore them. When babies talk to you, you don't, you don't put premium on it. They are babies. They are kana. A kana Christian is just living by his instincts, his feelings, his emotions. They are babies and they are ordinary people. Praise God. Very important. They are not mature at all. At all. When you master love, you have mastered maturity. That's where maturity is. That's where maturity is. First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. Beloved, if God, yeah, if God so loves us much, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, he says, no one at any time has yet seen God, but if you love one another, God abides in us, remains in us. And his love, that which is essentially his, is brought to completion, to its maturity, runs its full course, and is perfected in us. Can somebody say an amen? amen? And then, let me close with this. It is a biblical sign that you are passed from darkness to light, and from death to life. If you are not walking in love, eh, don't think you are born again. You are not. <laughs> or even if you think you are born again, you were born by something else. Maybe a chimpanzee gave birth to you. Not God. If God gave birth to you, his nature will be in you. Praise God. Yeah. His nature. His nature. Some of us have been born by something else. I know you are not one of those people. Amen. I'm telling you. If God gave birth to you, I mean, it's not. It's not easy to see a fair person give birth to a very dark person. It's not. It's not. Anyway, you see, you suspect it. Something must have gone wrong somewhere. So how can you claim that God gave birth to you and everything about you is anti-God? Everything about you. Everything. First John chapter 9 verse, chapter 2 verse 9 to it said, but he that said he's in the light and hated his brother, see it all, hated his brother or sister, it's in darkness even until now. You see, there are people who can say they are in the light. It's not difficult to say. You are in the light. It's okay. I'm a member of it. It's okay. <laughs> but the Bible said, if there is hatred in you, don't pretend you are in light. You are still in darkness. So we shouldn't listen to what you are saying. We should just conclude that you are in darkness. Verse 10. He that loved his brother abided in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. First John 3. 14, we know we are passed from death to life. How do we know it? Because we love the, we love the, uh -huh. so if you don't love the brethren, have you passed from life to death? You are still there. You are still there. He that loved not his brother, abided in death. You are not born again. May the Lord give us grace to walk in love. May the Lord empower us with fresh grace to walk alone. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the next few minutes, I want you to pray. He says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself. You are praying and say, Lord, let the love of God flow through me. Lord, let your love find expression through my life. Open your mouth. Let your love find expression through my life. 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 Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we walk in love. Thank you that there is no enmity or hatred in us. We walk in love. Thank you for the power to walk in love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The first step to participating, experiencing, coming to experience the love of God is by getting the love of God first, experiencing the love of God. He said, we love because God first loves us. Maybe you are here this morning, you are not born again. You want to say, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be born again. I want to begin a brand new walk with God. You are here like that. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You want to be born again. You want to give your heart to the Lord. You want to be born again. 
You want to experience the love of God? Brother, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You are here like that. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. Brother, say this after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. I admit I'm a sinner. I've heard of your love. I want to experience it. I want to walk in it. So I confess, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I believe he died and rose again for me. Thank you for saving me and making me your own. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you that he's saved and he's establishing you. I honor you and I bless you for his life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Fakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Fuakwa, please call 540 or 204 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Fuakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services. 6.30 a.m. First service. 8.45 a.m. Second service. And on Wednesdays for our Word Encounter service at 6 o'clock p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nana Ama Ejakuma Plaza. Opposite the Unity Oil Station. Santasi Roundabout. Kumase, Ghana. God richly bless you. Oh!